And we're back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great programs. Well, I wanted to continue the discussion on the NBA draft because it's near and dear to my heart as far as everything that's going on in the NBA while we're still in lockdown, stay-at-home, quarantine, whatever you want to call it, mode. And it's just something that still is a great way to pass the time is look at who is out there that that's available in the NBA draft because a lot of players right now are making that big decision to jump into the NBA draft as far as hand over their names and say, you know what, Adam Silver, I need you to call me. I need to go ahead and make that virtual walk because that's what's going to be this year, a virtual walk down the aisle to go ahead and and virtually shake your hand this time. But there's going to be a lot of teams interested in what's going on with the NBA draft. And here today to talk to me about the NBA draft is a a great guest. You know what? you got to check out his site, nbadraftjunkies.com. It's very detail-oriented on exactly what's going on, the major players that are already committed, and also just the top prospects that are out there wherever your favorite team is drafting. And it definitely is something you need to check out. Great articles. And it's just such a pleasure to have him on the show. Raphael Barlow and Raphael just cannot thank you enough for joining us on the program today. No problem. Thank you for the opportunity. Anytime I can talk NBA draft is, it's it's a great day for me. Absolutely. I hear you, my friend. And it's just something that, especially now, considering what's going on and everybody has to stay at home and, you know, so many things are going on around in the world, uh, you know, so much sadness and, and whatnot. It's just nice when you can talk about something that, that enlightens you and just go ahead and, you know, and just make something out there that's you know, a little bit more special because everybody right now is in, in not in the best state of mind, but anytime you can go ahead and talk NBA, I think that's a good thing for the fans out there. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, even for myself, um, I was actually living in Beijing before, actually until the beginning of February. So this is my second time going through this whole coronavirus situation. So, Oh, my goodness. I've been able to just, you know, use this time to, to watch a lot of film on different prospects. And so that's just kind of what's, what's um, you know, keeping me, keeping my spirits up. Absolutely. And you know what? I forgot to mention, too, that people can go ahead and check out your YouTube page which has several videos detailing a lot of the major projects that are out there. And I think yeah. that's what we'll start there is one of your major videos that you produced is some, you know, t- some time that you actually spent in New Zealand checking out some of the prospects down there. And in fact, two come to mind in particular, RJ Hampton and LaMelo Ball. And the yeah. ball name, you know, yeah. sometimes, forgive me as a Lakers fan, you know, the ball name is – you just got to go ahead and chuckle sometimes when you say that name. Yeah. But be that aside, as far as the father is concerned, two of the kids are very, very talented enough to go ahead and make a major impact in the NBA. We already see what one ball brother is doing. But LaMelo Ball, I think what I've heard and what I've seen is that the kid has got a lot of talent. Um, I know there's some shortcomings in this game that he needs to shore up. I was just saying, just like every draft pick, you know, they're 18, 19 years old, so of they all have a lot of holes in their game. Exactly. So, yeah, uh, I mean, there are not too many LeBron James coming out, even, you know, after every time, uh, whatnot, because that's that's probably the last individual that I saw that really had so much already together at that point in time, at that age. But when it comes to LaMelo Ball, 
what did you see when you got to see him live and in person on a team that he now owns? <laughs> yeah, he, he loved it so much he bought the team. That's that's crazy in itself, considering he's he's 18 years old. And I guess if you want to talk about LeVar's strategy, I mean, the popularity that he created with, you know, with whatever he said is has made the, the Ball Brothers popular and put him in position to buy the team. But as far as a player, LaMelo is an excellent passer. I mean, he has this creativity, court vision, and feel that you just can't teach. You just can't go to a gym and and work on the stuff that he does. He sees plays ahead. Um, I, I, heard a, I heard a saying that said that Peyton Manning used to pass players open. And that's something that uh, LaMelo does on the basketball court. I mean, phenomenal passer, great size, but he, he's just creative. I think the difference between him and his brother is he's more, he's definitely more creative. Lonzo doesn't really do much off the dribble. He's uh, very good at passing the ball ahead, um, kind of stands in the corner off the ball, doesn't do much as far as pick and roll, not really aggressive attacking the paint. While LaMelo, has a lot of Lonzo in this game as far as passing the ball ahead, but he's he's definitely more crafty with the ball in his hands. I agree with you on that. I was watching your footage, and he's more aggressive to the hoop. And one of the shortcomings, you know, of Ball in the past with his tenure with the Los Angeles Lakers and also as well now with New Orleans Hornets is taking the ball to the hoop, and yeah. that he's, he doesn't want to get fouled. Yeah, he doesn't want to get fouled. And, and just the way he just does not have that touch yet. He's not developed a floater or anything like that. Just that touch. Uh, yeah. and, you know, he looks like he just worked on three-pointers, and that was it, you know, when he was at UCLA and all that. But LaMelo, it looks like he is a lot more aggressive, like you said, but is able to go ahead and, you know, with his hands be able to go ahead and create a touch, create a shot that – he feels much more confident when he goes to the hoop, whether it's a short floater or whether it's going directly to the basket. He even shoots long floaters. Like he has this, I don't know if you saw in the video, but he has this this shot where it's almost like right inside the free throw line or at the elbow where he shoots a, a, a floater. He has excellent touch on it. And that was a great footage that you caught right there. It just shows mm-hmm. that he's a little bit more well-rounded is it to the point where you could honestly say that he is in the competition right up there for number one slot? Or is it just something, you know, because I know Anthony Edwards, he's someone that a lot of people like out there. And right now mm-hmm. is the kind of favorite right now for number one. I mean, it's early and there's still a lot yeah. more to go as far as development and what teams look at and whatnot. But he seems to be the number one choice. But is LaMelo someone that could, can, you know, if it, if, if, you know, falls to the right team or whatnot, could land in that number one spot? I think so. I mean, I think that this draft is so up in the air. You know, at the beginning of the season, Wiseman was everyone's number one pick. And according to a lot of draft boards, his stock has fallen. But at the same time, if Golden State ends up with the number one pick, they don't necessarily need LaMelo or Anthony Edwards. To me, Wiseman would be the ideal fit for them. So I think it's all going to boil down to who has the number one pick and where. I mean, like if Atlanta ends up with one or two. Do they take LaMelo? I mean, does he fit with Trey Young? Cleveland? Cleveland maybe, but that'll be what their fourth or fifth guard that they've drafted in the last three drafts. So yeah. 
it's, That's too it's funny. Be very interesting to see how everything plays out as far as the lottery, even how the NBA comes up with a lottery if the, the season is not you know, able to be finished. So, but I definitely think Melo's name is, is up there, which is good because at this time last year, I don't think anybody considered him a top two or three pick. So he, he definitely made a name for himself in Australia. Exactly. Uh, I think if it showed off his total game, I mean, when he was in high school, he was a really aggressive shooter, but then I guess to his to a fault, he was a really aggressive shooter. He really didn't get a chance to show that well-rounded game, especially the vision you're talking about and the vision mm-hmm. you see that he has a lot like his brother. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a better passer than, than Lonzo, especially in the half court. I think Lonzo has a great feel. He's very good at passing the ball ahead and, and moving the ball. I think Lonzo is one of the best ball movers in the NBA. But I think LaMelo is more dangerous in the half court simply because he's going to be more more aggressive of a scorer. And I, the way I look at it is if you look at the best passers in the NBA, in my opinion, LeBron, um, Luka Doncic, James Harden, what makes those guys such great passers is that they're a threat to score. I think Rubio, Ricky Rubio, would be in that category, but because he's not as big of a threat to score – it, it kind of limits him as a passer in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. We definitely, and I think, he, and I he think never felt his shot at, to, to a yeah. point where he scared people enough to go ahead. Okay. I got to be right on you. So it allows him to go ahead and see the court a lot better. So I, I agree with you on that. Yep. Yep. So I'm agreement with you that the, he could be, like I said, it's all depending on who falls into that number one spot we'll see where the lottery or when the lottery takes place. I have a feeling there's still going to be some type of draft. In fact, there has to be some type of draft yeah. whenever, you know, you know, whether even if they cancel the season, which I hope, you know, God forbid that they don't do that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even if they have this Bahama tournament or the Las Vegas tournament here, right here in Vegas, uh, some type of tournament to go ahead, at least conclude, that would be great. But even if they cancel the season, the NBA draft must continue. And uh, that also doesn't, you know, when you're you know, reaching out there as far as studying and everything going on, is not having an NBA combine going to hurt some of these draft picks or does it hurt the teams to enable to go ahead and watch? Because you're already losing some footage from the NCAA tournament and mm-hmm. also as well the conference tournaments and EuroLeague tournaments and the whole nine yards. You're, you've lost a lot of that footage. Right. Is not having a combine also going to hurt as well? I think – I mean, it may hurt some guys and it may help some guys. Um, you know, for example, I mean, if you look at this draft, Wiseman played three games. I think RJ Hampton played 12. Off the top of my head, I can't remember how many LaMelo played, but he did not play a full season. Cole Anthony did not play a full season. And if you're an NBA team and you didn't have LaMelo on your radar early and you didn't plan a trip, to see him live, all you have is film. So I, it's it's going to be a, a crapshoot for every team. And even now, you can't even watch guys work out live. So you're not going to have the agent workouts. You're not going to have, of course, like you mentioned, the NBA combine. But you won't have the ones where the 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 combines or the private team workouts. So you're just really gambling, and you're going to have to trust your scouts and trust video. It's, I mean, we're, we're in a situation that we've never been in before. So it's, 
yeah, I'm just curious to see how it all plays out. I think some of these teams are not exactly that sad or shedding a tear that they don't get to see those workouts, you know, and some some of those workouts have to be seen to be believed. I know I was mentioning the other day on one of our other shows about Christoph Porzingis having one here in town. And, you know, I could just imagine just to see, okay, yes, you can hit the floater, he can hit the jump shots, you can do all that, but the, against what type of competition? It's really hard to tell when you have these agent workouts exactly get a good gauge of, oh, yeah, he had a great workout. Well, how do you know? Really, if he's working out against a chair, if he's working out against, you know, someone that's, like, not even going to be in, at an NBA level, it really makes it hard to evaluate that player. Yeah, I mean, I try to look at it from both sides. If I were – I mean, I guess the best example to me would be a Ben Simmons. If I were a, a team and I had the number one pick – and one of the things I want to see is, Ben, I want to see you shoot. But you don't necessarily have that power now. And the agent is going to have him go through a workout where it's all speed, passing, athleticism. So you don't get a chance to see. I mean, it worked out well for Philadelphia. But for LaMelo, I mean, he did not shoot the ball very well in Australia from three. And so if you don't have an opportunity to have – even an agent workout or your team workout, you don't get a chance to really see if he's changed his mechanics, see if he's gotten bigger or stronger, how well he shoots. It's it's just a very, very odd situation. But if I'm an agent, of course I love the agent workout because I'm just putting my player in the best position to show off what he does well. And I've had a chance to talk to a couple of players who went through the process and it, it's some funny stories. I, I forgot um, who it was. Oh, it was, I think, Keith Lankford. Remember Keith Lankford from Kansas? Yeah. He told me he had a workout. And I, I want to say he's talking about it was with Hassan Adams. And, you know, Hassan was just a great athlete. And so he, was, he, he had mentioned, like, why would I want to work out against him? Because they're going to have him catch lobs, windmills, 360s. You're going to show off his athleticism. And if I'm in the same drill with him, I'm not going to look as good. That's true. So, yeah, it just, you know, the agent workouts are definitely geared to make their client look good. And I know teams hate it. I would hate it if I were a general manager for a scout of a team. But until they change that in the collective bargaining agreement, I think you're going to see a lot of agent controlled workouts. Absolutely. That's a good point. Exactly right there. And, We'll see what happens out of the CBA. If they can at least get out of something fair as far as the medicals, that's yeah. the, probably the thing that I would I would say most. You can keep the agent workouts, but as long as the medicals, if, if any team in the NBA can have access to a potential player's medicals, I think that makes it fair as opposed right. from one, you know, I'm not going to show it to you because I don't want to play for you, but I get to show it to you. That, that to me, I think is a little bit unfair, especially because you're, as a team, and looking at this from a team standpoint, you're investing millions of dollars into that player. You at least need to know exactly what the health is like. Yeah, especially it's it's a teenager. So there's so many factors into it. You at least want to be able to see if this kid is healthy or, or if he had a knee injury that he had at 15 that, you know, wasn't publicized. And so, yeah, I, I agree totally that the health information should be shared, but you know, I guess it's the way of the agents to try to control the process and control where their where their kid goes. And sometimes it works, and sometimes 
you know, you hear the stories all the time where I didn't even work out for this team and, and they took me. So which is risky on the team's part also. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. Once again, I'm speaking to Rafael Barlow. you got to check out his awesome site, nbadraftjunkies.com. Also as well, his YouTube page, which details and breaks down a lot of footage there for you. For you, Because I know everybody out there has time on their hands. So you got to start seeing who your team is. Even if it's not the Lakers, that's okay. you got to go ahead and check out exactly what players are may fall into you know your range of where you're projected to draft at this point in time. So the best place to do it that I've seen as well is NBADraftJunkies.com and also YouTube NBA Draft Junkies. OB Toppin, because mm-hmm. I've, I'm going to be honest with you, I checked out lots and lots of sites and their mock draft boards, including yours. Mm-hmm. And I see him everywhere from 2 to 15. So he's just all over the place. And he is somebody that had some exposure, especially because of his team's success, because he is primarily responsible for that team's success as yep. someone who is going to be part of a team that looked like it was going to be a number one seed going into the NCAA tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously a great uh, college year for him, All-American, you know, the whole nine yards. When you see that kind of development in a young man like that, and you see him all over the place as far as on NBA draft boards at this point in time, what does that say? I think it's a lot of it is going to play into, well, I'll say this. I think like if you go through 10 draft boards, it's going to be so inconsistent. I think you'll see, I think the only guys you'll see consistently in the top three are. LaMelo and Edwards. And so I think anybody can go from three to 14. It, and a lot of it will depend on fit. And like I mentioned earlier, like if you're Atlanta, who do you draft? I mean, Toppin and John Collins seem like they're the same player. So he could fall there. Um, yeah, and, you're, and you already drafted Capella. So do you draft Wiseman? So Yeah. So it's what Atlanta does is going to be interesting. Cleveland, if it's a guard heavy draft. You know, they take a big, was they have love, and and then they just they're probably going to keep drumming. So it's it's weird. So I think depending on how the lottery shakes out will determine how high or how far Obi Toppin slides. And I, I did my mock draft, and I haven't updated on my site yet. Um, and I had him going as high as three. Then I tried to do it based off of team fit, and I have him sliding down to ten. 
just based off of the the win loss records of the team, not considering like the way the lottery. But I have them, I have them falling um, down to ten to Phoenix based off of the records, which I think would be a good fit for him in, in Phoenix because. I think who they started after four this year was Dario Saric, who's a good young player. But I think Toppin kind of reminds me of a young Amari Stoudemire, and I think that would be good for for Phoenix. But, yeah, I mean, as far as him, I could see him going three, and I could see him going 15, like you said. Definitely. It's somebody that could fluctuate based on need, and I agree with you on that. I mm-hmm. just wanted to see what you know your thoughts on him as a player was. And uh, comparing him to Amari Stoudemire, hopefully not the knees, mind you, but you know, outside yeah. of that, <laughs> yeah, hopefully that's a good start. That's a good start for him. I like him as a player, but one of the things that I, I noticed about him was I've never seen a player more athletic and more stiff at the same time. Like vertically explosive, I mean, he can jump out the gym. But as far as moving laterally, he just seems really, really stiff and robotic and and mechanical. And so I think that how he'll be defensively will will play a role. I don't think there's any questions on offense. I believe that he'll end up being a pretty good shooter. He'll be able to stretch the floor. He doesn't shoot threes a lot, but he, he has shown that he can make them. But I just think where he falls in the draft or how high he goes will depend on what a team sees, what they can get out of him defensively. I, I, that's a good assessment right there. And I agree with you. I, when I saw him on the matchup in Kansas against Kansas, because mm-hmm. I thought that was a good litmus test for him, mm-hmm. uh, you're right. Uh, help defense is something to be right away that he's going to need to work on, I should say. But vertically, if you go at him, I know he's a big challenge. One of the players I wanted to ask you was someone that you also visited in New Zealand for, and that was R.J. Hampton. Yep. I, oh, go ahead. Just got off the phone with his father, ironically. I posted a video maybe an hour and a half ago. I posted two videos on my, on my YouTube channel. I haven't had a chance to upload them to the site yet, and I didn't realize that R.J.'s dad had been following my site. And so I had I had saw him around a few last summer because I I live in the Dallas area and, and I would be at the gym where RJ worked out at. So um, I had met his dad, and but yeah, he, I just got off the phone with him right before this call. And he's someone that I I like. I think he's a he's not necessarily one. He's not necessarily a two, but I think he's a guy that I mean he's so fast and so aggressive, and I think his. His potential is all based on him improving as a shooter. I mean, that's one of his, his glaring weaknesses right now is his jump shot. So in the half court, he, he doesn't really do much as far as, like, gravity and spacing the floor when he doesn't have the ball. But if he can knock down corner threes or just knock down jump shots, I think that he's going to be a very, very good complementary piece. You believe he can play both positions? Yeah, I do. I think right now he's not – He's not necessarily a one. And just because I've had a chance to watch him play in high school, I thought that him going to play in Australia was the best fit for him because it was his first time that he wasn't the best player on the court. Like in high school, he was bigger, stronger, faster, more athletic than everybody. So he was able to get to the lane whenever he wanted to, was able to shoot a lot of free throws, but he did show good passing ability. And so I think for him, the role that he played in in New Zealand – 
will be very similar to the role that he'll play early in his NBA career. Why I think the difference between him and Melo is Melo's always had everything set up for him. So, you know, he always had total freedom, total control, whether it was at Chino Hills, the, the big baller league, maybe a little bit in, in Lithuania, he didn't have that freedom. But I guess it depends on if, the, if it were the games that LeVar set up, he did. Um, and then even in like just watching his film in, in Australia, he had the ball in his hands every play. He had total control. And I'm not sure if an NBA team is going to give him that control right away early. So I think there could be an adjustment period. I mean, there's going to be an adjustment period naturally going from Australia, EuroLeague, college to the NBA. But I think he's going to have an adjustment period unless the team gives him the freedom. Like I had the same questions about Trey Young and Atlanta gave him total freedom to do what he does. He can shoot 30 times a game. And, and I think Trey plays best with freedom as opposed to structure. So I, I, feel, I feel the same with LaMelo. But I think with RJ, it helped him out because he had to play a role he had to play with guys that were that were better than him. He had to he had to play off the ball some. He did have a role where he was a they needed him to score a lot of points. So it helped him as far as a passer. And he was just able to showcase his speed and, and his ability to get in the paint and make plays for others. And but one of the things that he does very well is get out in transition. He's he's a monster in the open court. And so I think for him he would be best in a, a West Coast team or team in the Western Conference that likes to get up and down the court. I don't think uh, him playing in a slow-paced offense would, would maximize his strengths. Hopefully he won't get to the Knicks. <laughs> that might be uh, something he, he might regret. But, again, like I said, it just all depends on where it falls in the draft and who falls in love with him as a team. The Knicks are interesting, to say the least, each and every year, mm -hmm. not exactly for the right reasons. But yes, they're they're trying to rebuild as are many teams coming up for this NBA draft whenever it takes place. One of the things I wanted to ask you, because again, a lot of these teams have to rebuild. Is there anybody that is, you know, that's not widely known that's catching your eye? That's somebody that might be falling through the cracks or had fallen through the cracks earlier that is saying, you know what, I'm going to give him a second look. I'm going to go ahead and do some video on him, or I'm going to go ahead and take some extra notes because I think he could be something to keep an eye on. And I probably get a lot of flack for this, but the player that I like even above LaMelo was Killian Hayes. I, I like him a lot. Actually, the first time I saw him play was at Basketball Without Borders 2018, I believe, and I had a chance to see him. I What I like about him is he he's similar to LaMelo as far as being a big point guard creative as far as court vision passing has a little flash and flair to his game but he's a better shooter than Lamelo. and then I believe that well the he played in the Euro Cup and the Euro Cup is definitely a much stronger league than the NBL in Australia so he had to fit into more of a team structure because in Europe every game counts you know it's not like even in the NBA, if you're a bad team, you get rewarded for being bad with a lottery pick. And NBA teams kind of, you know, once the season goes on, they start developing guys and could care less about winning. Australia seems like a very lax league, but I've, I've spent a year in Europe, and those games are intense. Every game counts. 
there's no reward for losing. You know, losing games can mean you don't get paid. And so I felt like Killian played in a much tougher environment. He put up better numbers, and he's a better shooter at, at this point. Now, there, there may be some questions about him athletically. They may say that, oh, he's not a freak athlete. He doesn't play above the rim. But, you know, those were the same things that they said about Luka. You know, I'm not saying he's Luka, but, you know, I remember – and I had a chance to watch Luca play. And I remember showing people videos and saying, this kid is tough. And all they says, he's slow. He's slow. He's gonna, he's not gonna be able to get to the rim. But <laughs> we we've seen that he can get to the rim when he wants to. But going back to your question, yeah, I'm high on Killian Hayes. I think that I would take him above LaMelo Ball. And I really? think that if here in the States, which I think he was born in Florida, mm-hmm. and I believe his, his dad is is American. But I think if he went to college in the States and he had a chance to play in front of the audiences here, I think he would be rated a lot higher than, than what you see him on different draft boards. Oh, that's that's uh, very interesting because you're you're so high on him. And you're right. Uh, a lot of people love the flash of LaMelo La and that, uh, you know, love the sizzle when they see it on the tapes. Like, for instance, on your videos on YouTube mm-hmm. and – they kind of forget exactly how steady and how good a player Killian Hayes is. And you're right on that. It looks like somebody that could be, you know, someone that can develop just as well, if not better than LaMelo. I mean, you know, some of the other players that are out there right there at Nat or near the top of the draft. So definitely a, an interesting choice and a good one at that. We'll be back with more of the Lakers fast break podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. So it's just been a great conversation with you, Raphael, and I cannot thank you enough for stopping by to do so. But before we head on out, because I do want you to come back at whenever it's convenient for you, I would love the chance to get to talk to you again about as as more things develop, as we get more info on some of these players, I'd love to go ahead and get a chance to talk to you again because it's been such a pleasure. But before we head on out, mm-hmm. I got to hear your thoughts on NBADraftJunkies.com and why people need to check it out. Um, it's a site that, that I feel just offers a different perspective. It uh, started off with me and my brother and a friend, but they um, wives and kids, and they haven't been able to have the time to just watch hours and hours of film and – so right now it's just me, but it's just my perspective. I may have a little, a little, it's, it's a combination of a little bit of draft nerd, but a little hip, you know, a little, um, it's just my own flavor to it. I mean, there's a lot of draft sites coming up and a lot of guys that are, that are great at what they do, their breakdown film, but this is just my opinion. And, and then I, I have the videos that I've been, that I've been making uh, this year. I wanted to do a little different. I actually wanted to, talk through my videos as opposed to just putting the clips on there and having the stats. So I don't know if you've seen them, but maybe like the last six to eight videos, I've kind of talked through them. It's something that I I got from, um, I kind of stole the concept from Kobe's detail. And that was, um, I thought that was a great series. And unfortunately we won't, you know, get to see any more of that, but it was so interesting to, to see how he was able to break the game down from his eyes. And so I wanted to do something similar 
for my website. And I just feel like why people should go to my site is because I'm going to outwork everybody. I'm, my goal is to put out 100 videos before between the start of the season and the draft. I'm, I'm more than halfway there. So I'm actually on my second round of videos. So I just plan on having a lot of content. Um, you know, if there's a player that you like or if your team drafts, I want you to be able to go to my site or go to my YouTube channel and, and just get all the information on their strengths and their their the weaknesses and just kind of go from there. Well, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of great videos there on your YouTube page, but going to NBADraftJunkies.com is also something that a lot of people, if you're interested in the NBA draft, you cannot miss and someplace you have to go and check out indeed. Raphael, it's just been great talking to you. Next time you come on the show, I know, like I said, I, I really want you to come back. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about as the, you know, it starts to shape out. I know Laker fans out there are saying, what can we get? What can we get? Because we got to keep our pick. Well, at least you got to keep it until they make it. And you know, the Lakers, they've been trading everything away as far as draft choices lately. But, you know, as it gets close to the draft, see what realistic options are there for them, plus also some movers and shakers as far as who's falling, who's who's going up, who's rising. And, you know, as that draft process starts to get a little bit clearer as far as who is going where, as far as your detailed work comes to pass and, and all the videos that you're taking care of and all the things that you're doing for your site, NBADraftJunkies.com, I'd love to get you back on to get a better evaluation from you and your deep insight exactly what's going on with the NBA draft. Anytime. I have nothing but time right now. I think, you know, like <laughs> I said, I mean, this is the time for, you know, a lot of people. I think it's good for me even with my videos because people have time to watch. A lot of times people wouldn't really start focusing on the draft until May. And so I'm actually, I, I think right now people have time to watch videos. So anytime you want me on the show, even if it's to talk, just regular NBA basketball, I'm here. And I, wow. I, I appreciate you for having me on. Thank you so much. Oh, no worries, no worries. Yeah, I'd love to have you on just to talk NBA whenever that happens. And, you know, I'm kind of secretly hoping that they do have the tournament here in Vegas. Maybe, like I said, I'll try and sneak in and try and check it out, even though there's supposed to be no fans there and all that. But I'd love to see at least a uh, some semblance of a season, you know, finish and conclude whether or not the Lakers win. Now, I mind you, I do hope the Lakers win. I'd just like to see some sort of conclusion of the NBA season. Hopefully it won't get canceled out entirely. Your thoughts on yeah. that? I, I hope so also just because, I mean, we're all basketball fans and we're all like there's this huge void in our life right now without it. But just to, just to have a season, you know, just to crown a champion. But I'm just curious how they would do it. I mean, would they do like summer league, have it in two gyms? And then I would just wonder, like, if you're a non-playoff team, like, what do you have to play for? You know, like, if you're – I don't know. And then the fact that – and I, I know quite a few NBA players. A lot of them have not shot a basketball in a couple weeks. So it's probably going to be bad basketball. It's true. <laughs> the, the, first, the first few days. And I'm just – Curious to see how it goes, but I definitely hope there's a season. Vegas would be the ideal place for it. I mean, it has the, you know, the locations and um, the hotel rooms. And unfortunately, people probably won't be able to go to the games. But we definitely should have – well, I shouldn't say that. I definitely hope 
we have a conclusion to the season. I do as well. I do as well. I know there's an issue where I think Mark Stein said on a podcast for Chad Ford, who started one up recently, and he indicated that if they don't get to 70 games, the league does, the league team, that they have to pay back money to the regional networks. And no, no, no. They, of course, they wouldn't want to pay back money to the regional networks. So, yeah. you know, they if they will find a way, they will find a way that even for the teams such, you know, such as Golden State or some of the lower ranked teams, Cleveland and whatnot, you, you know, if you got to come out to Vegas and finish the 70 games and get to 70 games, you, you're they're going to try and do what they can to do it. Yeah, and that's, I mean, obviously, you know, we live in a society that's, money runs a lot of things and and i'm sure that that is probably in the hundreds of millions of dollars that are that are on the table if they don't finish the 70 games but even even if they do i just wonder how it's how it it, uh, bleeds into next season so if the season starts up in june by the time you finish everything it's going to be what mid-july august do you push the draft back until then how how do you do free agency and then do you give the guys a two-month break and then start the season, the next season at the same time? It's it's just a really weird time. And even like free agency, I'm sure every player is going to opt into their contracts. <laughs> so it doesn't make sense for anyone to opt out. This is a, a crazy time, but like I said, I hope that they can finish the season for everybody's sake, the fans' sake, the players' sake, financial reasons, and – I mean, I just think basketball can be therapeutic at this time. Uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It'd be therapeutic, I know, for both of us and also many, many basketball fans as well. Yep. Well, Raphael, it's just been incredible talking to you. Such deep insight, and I cannot thank you enough for being a part of today's show. Looking forward to having you back on to talk more great basketball, whether it's NBA or the NBA draft. Just so thankful to have you part of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. All right. Thanks a lot. Anytime.